Thanks for checking out this episode of Business Black Belts. I really appreciate you listening and hope you get some great insights out of today's leader. Let's dive into the show. So, hey, everybody, welcome back to Business Black Belts. I'm excited to have my good friend, Joe Vavrick, on the show. Joe, thanks so much for stopping by. Well, Miles, thanks for having me. It's a a pleasure to be here. Um, Yeah, no, our, our pleasure. So, I've obviously known you for most of my professional career. I think uh, getting closer to 10 years than uh, even five years. But I wanted to, for anyone who doesn't know you, give you a chance to introduce yourself um, and maybe a little bit about your current company, Zadara. Yeah, thanks, Miles. So I'm I'm Joe Vavrick. Uh, Like you said, Miles, we've known each other for, oh God, it's got to be about close to 10 years now. But uh, I'm responsible for a, a new group we created at Zadara called the the Edge Cloud, right? Uh, going after end users and bringing them back to our Edge Cloud to focus on you know things like compute, storage, the things that companies have, have done for the last uh, 15 years with AWS, Azure, and Google, right? And we're delivering it at the Edge. So I'm responsible for building our business model to the end user community that's mid-tier all the way to the enterprise here in the central region of the, uh, of the U.S., and, and I'm so excited for this interview because my personal background uh, of tech sales means a lot of the people listening to this are in tech sales. And you're someone who I feel like has found the balance of finding new opportunities or new companies, but also you know staying at places a long time. Or you found the balance of providing for your family financially, but also being a great dad and you know appreciating things like sports with your kids or... Um, figuring out how to, you know, drive urgency, but not, you know, be someone who's full of anxiety constantly, because this is a hard profession. So I thought to start, it would just be awesome if you could take us back to the beginning. So you graduate from college, then what? Like, how did you get into tech sales? Well, uh, that's, that's interesting how it, how it started, because uh, my background isn't in tech, right? It was in, in, in finance. Um, and, at that time, I'm, I'm taking it back and maybe I'm dating myself a little bit here, here Miles, right? This is uh, the glory days of the late 90s um, when tech was really starting to explode. And this, this, this small little company called CDW was looking to hire a bunch of, you know, fresh out of college, aggressive people to, to not only learn technology, but go out there and explain the value of technology to, to end users. So I got my start. Um, you know, uh, wet behind the ears and, and just trying to, to, to understand, not knowing tech, right? Really diving in and understanding, you know, what a dot matrix printer is and what value that might bring to a company, right? And, and through that evolution of going through a direct marketer at that point in time um, and, and really starting my, my career that way, right? Just getting in, getting my hands dirty, learning about it, and, and quite frankly, start making cold calls to customers, right? What got them interested in, in, in the company, right? What value was I bringing them? And that's how it started back in 1998. I think it was August 1998 was my, my first month at CDW and a great training program at CDW. So really got me educated on, uh, on the tech and, and really truly how to, how to sell and really provide value to a customer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I know it's a very well-known company um, from my days at EMC. So you go from CDW uh, 
to then really getting into some more startups or smaller businesses. Like um, we obviously met when you were at Next or Next Sand, but I know you're at Next Gen Fusion IO. Uh, you worked at Compellent, which got purchased by Dell. So what was the journey going from CDW to then some of these more um, startup or more mid tier businesses? Yeah, you know, interesting enough, you know, you spend 10, 10 years and a great 10 years in an organization like CDW, um, just learning and, and all the experiencing and then you, you want to look for your next challenge, right? What, what does that look like, right? You've built this business inside CDW, you've taken a few different roles inside the, the corporation, but you really look for the next challenge and really what kind of forte me to get out into the, into the, you know, into the outside, into the field, in front of the customer, you know, 13, 14 years ago. Um, but I was looking for, hey, what's that new tech? What's going to drive, you know, value for the customer, right? Um, to, that's going to improve on their results. So I tended to look at companies that were bringing best of breed, next generation technologies to market, that really help bottom line. And I'm tying it back into my finance degree, right? Helping the bottom line or improving the results of the business. Because at the end of the day, as, as I take in this journey through these different startups, it's all about kind of tying it back, Miles, to the, the results that you can improve on the customer and the customer experience and what's driving the customer's business. Because at the end of the day, no matter if I'm, here at Zadara selling, selling cloud services, um, or it's the ability to be, um, you know, bring a, a storage solution to the marketplace that, that improves performance, right? It's all about how you drive results in that company's business and what they're trying to accomplish and what challenges you have to help them overcome, right? So I believe that's delivered, in my opinion, through net new technology. And that's kind of taken my path of the last 13 years of whether it's either a brand new startup, um, like a, a comprise that I had the pleasure of, of being at with, or re just most recently liquid, or that is, you know, Hey, you know, next hand, when I joined there and when we met, right, they were established company, but they were bringing new products to market, right? It's all about frameworking that out of, of helping a business improve with the products you're delivering in the marketplace. Well, and it's so interesting because I know that there's kind of a camp that calls themselves financial sellers within tech sales. And it really feels like if you're not able to quantify what you're doing when you're selling IT, which is mostly about saving people money or reducing risk, it's very hard to get a deal done. Like there's no sizzle in changing cloud providers just because like it really has to have a measurable impact that all the way up to a CEO or even a board, they can say, if we do X, we get Y. Is that, is that a fair read? It is. It is. It, here, here's the thing. A lot of the conversations do turn into a, to, to a financial kind of discussion, right? But it's also about delivering the tech though too, right? So it's, it's about doing a fine balance of the mix and understanding the audience that you're presenting. You know, the challenge might be like, hey, hey, listen, we're not delivering the performance we, we need out of our current cloud provider, right? That's a technology conversation, right? But there has to be some attributes that tie back into, you know, the, the value to the overall business of the customer. 
You know, so when I look at it, right, the, the way I always sit down, it's never about throwing up 50 slides and here's how we do this, right? It's sitting down like we're having today, a conversation with the prospect or the customer. You know, what's driving their their, their business, right? What are they hearing from other departments if you're talking with IT? And, and here's the other thing, Miles, is is in, in technology sales, right, we have we have gone from dealing with just people in information technology to different departments in different groups because the the path of delivering technology is falling on different groups within a in a organization right so when i look at it it's a balance of both worlds you you got to just sit back talk with the client and listen to what they have to say because ultimately it's about their business not what you are delivering as a salesperson, Un, you know, unless it ties back into how it benefits their business. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess a second question to that is you sold obviously incredibly differentiated technology, like something like a Nexan, like the dollar per gig you could drive for unstructured data is just untouchable by, you know, some of those big boys like an EMC you've sold tools like liquid that are very niche, high tech, high performance, very expensive relative to like, so you've kind of done it all. Now I'm curious, how does differentiation work? Is it really the product? Is it the salesperson? How do you open the door with curiosity? Like I imagine it's a lot harder than it looks to go to these different startups and actually get people to meet with you. It is, it's extremely, it's extremely difficult. So again, I, I think when, when, you know, the differentiating part of it, right, is understanding what's going on in the challenges maybe a CIO faces, right? I, you know, I, I go back to, you know, I listen to a lot and do a lot of reading. Um, and, and one of the things that I took away from a, a QBR, we had an analyst come in and, and talk, talk, right? The, the biggest thing in 2022 that CIOs struggle with, security, mm-hmm. staffing right? And digital transformation, three top objectives they have in 2022, right? And how do you go deliver on that? So when when you're prospecting or you're going out, you got to make sure that your messaging is being delivered to those challenges, right? And our business results. That's why, in my opinion, right? When you sit back about, hey, how do you differentiate? That discovery and that understanding of the person's business or their objectives, become very, very critical in, in in the sales cycle. Because, and again, I use this analogy, you had started to talk about this earlier, um, is I, I love the ability to go out and, and coach, right? And teach young kids. Not that they're going to become professional athletes, but you're giving them tools to be successful in their business career, right? One of the things I, I use quite a bit, as you can imagine, 10-year-old kids are pretty rambunctious, Right. Uh, tend to do a lot of talking and not listening. And I'll have to stop them every once in a while and say, hey, God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. Listening is an important skill. So I go back and I tie all that back in to differentiate. You have to listen to what the prospect or client is saying, because it is, again, about their business, not about what you're delivering. Now, you may deliver something that benefits their business, but you have to understand that first and foremost. I found. And I guess in, that's the way. That's the way to differentiate. Well, I, just to go off your point, I found in sales conversations, if you are spending the majority of the time defending your product, 
like answering product questions and pricing and speeds and feeds and not talking about them and their goals, you don't win. So it feels like you're winning because you're talking about whatever thing and it feels like interest, but you're right. I, I, it's all about what this stuff does to help them achieve something different because no one wants to buy the edge cloud. They want to buy more time at home or less stress or you know, hitting a financial metric or whatever these things are. So a question I have for you, um, I learned this early on at EMC is you'll have years in tech sales where you make pretty much more money than you or any of your friends could ever have imagined especially if you're at a startup and you're timed right. And you'll have years where uh, you kind of strike out. And so it's a little bit more like hitting triples and home runs than being an accountant. Uh, So I'm curious for you, if you don't mind sharing, how have you personally managed that journey with having a family and providing for a family? Like, How how do you think about the ups and downs? Is it you try to kind of average it over a few years? Is it saving when times are good? Because it it's incredibly stressful as a profession from that regard. It, it is extremely profession and you described it, right? There's a lot of uh, an emotional roller coaster, right? Uh, that you, you go through in, in your up and down years, right? So um, first of all, it's, you got to keep a positive attitude. Your product's not a fit for everyone, right? And you have to understand that, right? And sometimes it, it takes time to, to build a business. So keeping your emotions in, in, in check, and always keeping a happy, you know, a, a happy medium, right? So you got to figure some way to take the, 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 you know, take the stress out, whether that's working out a walk, right? Um, something like that, so that you're not always stressed out. Like, how am I going to make this make this number? Um, and and how am I going to deliver on that, right? Because you're going to have your ups and downs, and knowing that you're going to have your ups and downs, right? You know, things like that help me. I, I meditate, right? I I meditate and try to relieve that and, and say, hey, stay focused, right? Build lists, like make sure I have checklists. And I know at the end of the day, even during those ups and downs, when I have a checklist and I'm doing my items, knowing the length of my career, then I'm going to be successful at some juncture. Mm-hmm. Um, because I've, I, I've proven it out that yes, you're going to have ups and downs, but making sure you follow a, a strategic plan is very, very key, right? Now, I'll answer it that way. And then I'll also kind of take a spin on, on, on the, you know, how do you live through the ups and downs of, you know, uh, you know, one day you may make $5 the next day you make, make zero, right? How, how do you, how do you manage that? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it helps being a finance major, right. And understanding that you have to budget and save your money and, and, and set your goals, right. It's writing down your goals of how you want to, um, you know, financially, financially make it out, right. Which pay for your kids college, whatever that may, may be right. Just plan it out accordingly and budget accordingly when it comes to that. So a little bit on the sales side, a little bit on the, the finance side of, of how I've handled that in, in the past miles. Yeah. And it's great advice. I think learn to separate. You can be really intense when you're doing it, but you can't sustain 24 hours a day of that intensity. Um, now I'm, I do have another question. It seems to me that buyer's trust is different than 20 years ago. It's a lot harder to earn a customer's trust. And maybe once you earn it, it's a lot stickier than it was in the past because it's so rare. How have you gone about building customer's trust in a world where they're incredibly skeptical of what you're pitching? They're incredibly busy and they're just maybe more closed off than they were 20 years ago. It's business is getting a little less personal in some ways. How do you think about building trust? 
Yeah, and let me take that in a second. But you're absolutely right. Like, I I, I think the number is like 90% of the research is already done before it, they even contact someone um, in, in, in sales, right? So being able to build that relationship and in, in understanding that customer becomes very, very critical for that, for that last, last 10, 10%. But, but through that whole engagement, and you're right, it's a lot different than it was 20 years ago where you could pick up a phone and yeah, it may take you 10 times, right? But you would get someone on the phone. Now that's not the, the experience that, that you have, right? Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of the relationship building and a lot of the stuff, again, make it about the customer, right? And I've created long-term re- re- relationships with a lot of clients. And maybe Zadara doesn't fit them today, but it's important to stay in touch with them and understand what their business drivers and what they're doing. Like, how's the family, Right. Keeping relationships strong, even though you don't have a product to offer them, I think brings a, a, a lot of value uh, to to a personal relationship because you are building a personal relationship with that with that with that person, right? Is open it up again. It's about them and never about uh, you, right? It's about creating that personal relationship with someone over over time, right? And and you're not going to. Even though you have a client, let's just use ABC company, for example, right? That that maybe I sold ABC Comprise, right? And I've stayed in good touch with their CIO or their IT director. Um, even though I'm at Zadara, their challenges may be different than what I can solve at Zadara. But let's go have a conversation and understand what's driving the business model today, right? And what they're trying to accomplish. And if I can help them, great. If not, then, hey, listen, let's keep the relationship going. I, I think it's a big thing that you continue to build on top of your relationship and then listen to to those those prospects and clients you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, because it's such a long game, just like us. And there's there's times where we overlap more than others professionally, but we're always keeping in touch. And, and I think the real secret I've learned there is just actually caring. Because if you're just only talking to people because you want something from them versus talking to them because you actually care, they can tell. And no one who doesn't, care can be patient over a decade to build a real relationship and that and it just it's kind of how you vet out who really deserves it yeah and in miles let me let me add to that right i i mean i've had some great friends throughout this facebook friends like uh chris vasachnik right uh, he was part of uh consumers credit union back in 2012 right and he had moved on to another credit union right and we always stayed in touch hey how's the family all great you know i I never resold to them. It was about the relationships, about building that. And I just found out, uh, I had just reached out to him just because I hadn't checked into him for about a year, right? He, he, he just, he's always wanted to move, right? He always wanted to get out of the Midwest. So he just recently moved to Georgia, right? And I'll keep that relationship forever, right? Um, and it's also, you know what's also important? Like you learn a lot from the, from, from, your, your, your customers and your prospects of, Hey, what are they doing? What are they seeing come up on, on the next vision of what are they doing around AI? Right. You learn a ton from those relationships. So it's important to keep them right. Even when you're not selling them anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, and it's almost disarming. Like you, uh, you can't build selling does not build relationships. Like it's taken me a long time to learn that you build the relationships all these other ways. And selling is just, how those relationships ultimately turn into business, but customer service, you build relationships 
like you said, networking like that, you build relationships, but actually going to people saying, can I sell you something is not the strongest way to build a relationship, which many people uh, don't separate in their mind. Yeah, very, very true. I mean, it, it, relationships are, are key, right? And, and I taught, I touch base about learning from, you know, my previous clients or the relationships I have in, in IT and what they're doing. It's also, you know, refreshing. You know, again, I do a lot of a lot of reading. Um, you know, one of the big things is I, I tend to, to preach is challenge, the challenger sale methodology, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, teach, tailor, take control, right? It's important that, you know, a, a CIO is busy managing his staff, right? You, you know, he can't read everything. He needs, hey, a bullet point on, hey, 90% of people are, are, are using, you know, using the public cloud today. But, you know, 13, on average, an end user is 13% over budget, right? So how are you managing your cloud cloud spend, right? Those are become important conversations and bringing to bring value back to even the people you're talking about. They may not do business with you, but able to bring value back to that relationship, I think becomes important. And that's how you even build that relationship even stronger. It's such a good point. Um, another question I want to ask you is what role does staying in one geography play in career success? I know you, you've been in the Midwest and specifically Chicago, um, like for certainly as long as I've known you, like what role would, you know, millennials are moving all around the world, like a, you know, like a crayon just driving around the country or flying to different cities every two years, which is great. But what role does staying in one market play in sales success? Yeah, I would, I would tell you that uh, just the knowledge of, of, of the companies, right? A knowledge of what they're what they're doing and the relate going back to the relationship things, right? A, a majority of people, at least at my age, right, they're they're not necessarily moving uh, moving around, but you start to understand their business, their go to market. Really start to dig in uh, to, you know, you know what what really values that 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 company, right, or that individual, right. So building those relationships, not only from. Uh, uh, on a personal level, but but also at a company level, right? If understanding companies is critical about, hey, what you know, what drug are they developing, right? How is it challenging their IT? You're not going to do that if you're you're moving around every two years, right? But I'm also like on a side note, right? Um, even though that's that's how I would establish myself. I, I do believe people need to be happy, right? And if it means moving around two years, they, they, they go ahead and do that. I just see the value of understanding the business from a sales sales perspective and understanding your customer becomes very, very crucial to stay in, in, in one region and really develop that region over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's a great point. So another thing I like to think about myself and I love to ask other people is, Obviously, we're not on this earth for that long. I think it's something like 4,000 weeks and I don't know, 3,000 of them or something you're actually working. Um, what do you want your legacy to be? Like when you've sold your last deal, you're sitting on the golf course in Chicago or Florida or whatever, you look back at your career, someone else is looking back at your career. What is the thing you're still striving for? Uh, you know, I'll answer it two ways, right? I, I, I think I want my legacy to be, hey, 
Joe Vavrick always looked out for the best interest of our business, right? He always brought value to the table, whether it was at Comprise, Liquids, Adara, right? He brought value to our organization. He always listened, right? Um, that's what I want my my legacy to be um, from, from that aspect. Um, you know, I don't know if I could ever see myself, you know, my second point of this being Miles, right? I don't know if I could ever see myself on, a, you know, fully on a golf course full time because I love what I do, right? I love interacting. I love learning about businesses and, and, and trying to provide them value, right? I'm always want to be learning. So yes, I can learn on a golf course how to hit, hit a golf ball. But if I'm in learning about, hey, we're developing this latest drug or here's our ch- challenge around fraud detection um, that we're seeing, right? I love those conversations and always want to be part of it, right? So, um, you know, I, w- I think I would end it with this, right? Uh, you know, good person, always looked out for our best interests and a hard worker, right? That's how I want my legacy to be, right? Um, at the end of the day, I would be happy with that if people looked at me that way. Yeah, it's a, I think it's a wonderful perspective. And it, it is under, I think work ethic is underrated in, in my experience. I mean, it's just, I, I hear Elon Musk, and I know there's lots of things that me or anyone else might want to do differently than Elon Musk. But you look at one thing is he's very clear about why he thinks he's successful. It's how the motor he has. Um, and I always notice that about you. I mean, you, you're nine o'clock at night, you're still t- picking up the phone. You're, it's not about not valuing family. It's just about realizing that um, there's a way to do both at the same time and set that example for your kids that well, you know, trickle the generations of that same work ethic becoming a brand of you know being a Vavrick child has that same um, connotation, which I think is really cool. Yeah. And, and listen, nine o'clock, I, I've seen you up to midnight, one o'clock working. So I know the work ethic is, uh, is, is very established with, with you, Miles, right? Um, and it's something I take pride in as, as well, right? And that's, you know, if a legacy on how I want other people to think, but my kids is I want them to understand that, that working hard, right? Whether that is, hey, I need to do an extra hour tutoring with math, right? To, to bring up my math grade or, Hey, I, I can go make an extra $5 laying mulch for, for, for dad. Right. I want to understand that that work ethic will pay off for them at, at some point in their, in their career, right? Work hard, but also work smart. Right. I think that's, that's the other point we don't touch base on a lot. Right. Read, educate, understand, right. Do all that. Yeah. And I think you're so right. If you look at competitive advantage um, in the workforce, there's two dimensions to the axis. It's how uh, much leverage you can put into the work or AKA working smart. And it's just the raw input of, you know, hours or energy, et cetera. And I I think the first one is actually learned from the second one because experience, like your experience, you understand how to smell a deal or not smell a deal or how to get something stuck out of procurement. Like it's hard to teach that to a 20 year old. They've got to learn it. And that's why I think at the early part of your career, you have to have disproportionate work ethic or you will not even have a chance of competing with the people who have experience. And if like you, you're able to sustain both of those axes as uniquely differentiated throughout your career, that's where you start to see the type of success you've had. Um, well, Joe, it's, it's been a real pleasure having you on our show. I'm excited to keep following your progress in the new role and certainly have you back on again. But um, if anyone wants to reach out to you, is LinkedIn an okay way if they just wanted your advice or wanted to follow up on this conversation? 
Absolutely. You can find me at Joe Vavrick on LinkedIn or, you know, joe.vavrick at zadara.com as well, Miles. And, uh, you know, it's it's been my pleasure to join the, the podcast today. Um, thank you for inviting me. And, and, and hopefully I, I provided some value here. Absolutely. Our pleasure. We'll talk soon. All right. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to today's episode of Business Black Belts. Should you want to see more content on both the show, marketing, and business in general, feel free to check out my LinkedIn. Thanks.